Welcome to this brand new season of We Are Carbon. I'm Helen Fisher and I'm really excited about this one because I'm now bringing together more of the vision that I was inspired with right back when I began this podcast. We're still an interview show and we'll be having new insightful conversations with our wonderful guests, focusing on our themes of regeneration that continue to build out and explore our starting concept. The concept that we can learn to thrive, not just stumble along or survive through these chaotic problems of our time, but that we can truly thrive and live abundantly as a society when we shift our mindset and turn to nature as our teacher, as our healer and as something that we are in fact a part of. By understanding that we are nature and therefore our society must support the regeneration of nature in order to create those thriving lives for ourselves. Now you might be listening because you're in search of inspiration, a glimmer of hope that there is a path forward that can take us to better times. Maybe your concerns are for the climate or our biodiversity crisis. Or perhaps you're worried about the failing health of ourselves or the stability of all these systems around us. To my mind, they're entirely connected, and so our discussions may dip into any or all of those. The big difference with this season is its structure and added formats. After the long list of conversations that I've now had with people on a range of topics and experiences all across the world, this seemingly boundless focus is becoming refined in my mind. So I'm breaking it into categories to make the information more digestible and actionable for any of us who would like to take steps towards creating this more regenerative future. There's fresh voices on each topic and maybe More importantly, an opportunity for you to voice your questions, experiences, or ideas. There's also new video formats to make the content easier to consume and share as well, including animations that you can download and share for free on your own social media channels to build more engagement with more people on these subjects. We're becoming more symbiotic. I'd urge you to check the description for further details so that I don't need to keep waffling on here. And please do consider supporting this work in one of the ways so we can keep making it possible. Our first topic is soil. It just makes the most obvious starting point. And I am so delighted that today's conversation is with Claire McKenzie, producer of the documentary Six Inches of Soil. She shares insights from the production which is just now going live and helps us to understand the real significance of this subject. I'll let Claire introduce herself. I hope you enjoy. So I'm Claire McKenzie. Um, I am the producer on the documentary which is about to go live. Uh, at the start of 2024. Um, so I, we've been working on this project the last three years, but prior to all of that, um, the reason I've done it is I'm a passionate environmentalist. Um, at the heart of what drives me probably now, um, I've always been driven since university, but now particularly being a mum, um, it really concerns me. It makes me anxious that I can't just watch it happen. So I like to work with projects 
that are looking at probably some hopeful, positive solutions or at least ways of coping with living in this ever-changing climate. Um, so I studied politics at university and that kind of kick-started my endless interest into this and particular interest I've always, always had is food provenance. And that probably comes from a background um, of having a grandpa who was a farmer and my mum, we just always grew stuff and um, discussed food, I suppose. <laughs> I've done a lot of local community projects with it, starting a food um, box scheme in London, um, but it's always just been at the centre of that. Um, alongside it, I worked for a while, which has related to this in TV production. And that's obviously helped me with the film. And then I've done a lot of work with NGOs and charities from working in Chile um, with an Indigenous charity uh, to working um, in Britain with various different causes. Uh, at the centre of it all is probably my organising, uh, facilitating and networking um, head <laughs> and getting things started and going. And I've got quite a big imagination, so that probably helps. <laughs> But it's all about people for me and it's bringing them together and it's sharing beautiful stories. And that's where we've got to with making this film. Yeah, that's very inspiring. It's it's very beautiful how you've tied all of these different aspects of your skills and your passions together. And you've brought them now onto this focus that's more honed in on soil. And I heard about the film, I think, a couple of years ago, so maybe a year into your journey, and it was starting to um, be promoted and, and having a few few kind of words here and there. And I knew immediately that it's got such a significant message, this six inches of soil focusing right there. Do you have a sense of what inspired the whole team? Like we, we've heard about your background here, but why this particular topic was a journey that you took on together? Yeah, so I think I'll just do a brief into me because I live um, in Cambridgeshire. It's on my doorstep is um, very intensive arable farming, being the breadbasket of Britain, really, in East Anglia. I've never lived like that before I was brought up was hills and uh, sheep so um I wanted to explore what was going on my doorstep and on that journey I met Colin who's the director because I wanted to make a film about it so he I did the producing on it and the research and he came in as the filmmaker so that's how we started but we were looking at farming closer to nature and then with that, obviously, at the centre of it all is soil. Um, and I've always, you know, worried about what's going into the soil, how it's being treated, what's happening with it, with processing it, uh, farming. And so, and Colin and I, the first time we did it was really this one farm near here in Cambridgeshire, um, David White. And when we were filming, he was talking about the livestock in his on his farm and there were his worms and we did this piece and that ignited our deep felt passion. And we also did see Kiss the Ground, the American film and feel, and lots of other footage coming out of America, a bit from Australia, but not enough from Britain. I mean, yes, there, there are people making pieces for organisations, but not really just a story pulling it all together and trying to get probably those outside of the farming and food industries interested. So that's where it started. We saw the importance of it. And then Colin and I have built a team of amazing people who've 
really come to us because they're as passionate about soil as where we are so yeah fantastic it, it seems to be something that people can really um, find something to to pull them into it because it's such a I suppose it's a, a story of hope where we have so many problems surrounding us it can get fairly tiresome and fatiguing to to constantly be thinking about why why things are going wrong and to have have something that is so in everybody's lives we can all connect to soil we we might not be able to really resonate with all different technologies that we hear as solutions but soil it's there it's innate within all of us um i think before we go into any more depth because there's such a such a beautiful story that you're weaving together through the documentary it would be wonderful if you could offer us a bit of context for the audience, if some of these things are new to them, to just summarise for us why the way that we farm is so important and so critical to the health of our soils. It's, at the moment, sorry, predominantly in the, very much in the Western world, but but really throughout um, the world, you're seeing a lot of extractive chemical farming, um this is very man-made um and as we highlight in the film it's it's utterly amazing how much food we're producing and it's been incredible since the second world war to stop people being hungry but it's sadly now everyone's looking at it saying well what would we done to our soils and how long have we got left to be able to use them and, and farm with them um, but sadly, now what we're seeing is um, obviously the Dust Bowl was a massive thing in America and that was the 1930s. But now we're sadly seeing as highlighted in Kiss the Ground and Common Ground and other pieces uh, and Australia and in Chile and South America. You're seeing that there's more dust emerging now and people are having to really um, embrace different ways of farming. So in Britain, it's what we have explored is trying to step back because some people will say, well, we're not the US. What they're doing doesn't mean anything to us. Our soils are fine. It's a temperate climate. It's fairly resilient. Yes, that is the case. And we mustn't overly claim disruption because it's a different way. But what we have done and speaking to people is there's been a lot of compaction. So that's heavy vehicles. Um, then the tillage, a lot of deep tilling, but we're going deeper and deeper with the ploughs, so we're just breaking up. But when you get into the minute detail and go into microbial life that's in the soil, it is what we're finding is that with heavy tillage and heavy ploughing, that is being destroyed. On top of that, taking control are diseases or a rise in insects that we feel are pests. We have developed chemicals, et cetera, to control. So we're trying to control and we're doing it alongside big agrochemical companies. And it's all got into this crazy state where we've got, with our control, um, we've seen more pests arise. So therefore, we need to have more chemicals. Not only that, um, they then need to develop a seed that's then resilient to the chemicals. And so we've got this wild thing, a bit like in our health, um, it's my other passion, holistic health, is it is this awful perpetual cycle. So we're just killing, destroying, trying to feed, trying to control. We can't do that anymore because we're getting sick. So let's just go for the human, you know, things like cancer, long-term illnesses. They are all being sent back 
through the way we farm, etc. But our soil is sick, and if our soil is sick, we can't farm it anymore. Some people believe we don't need soil; we can just do it in a, you know, um, intensively inside, um, you know, with aquaponics or aeroponics, you know, so without soil or fermentation, etc. But what they're what soil scientists and other people who are exploring it, namely farmers, um, is this there is so much going on in the soil we we have no idea still where it's we we know a tiny tiny amount um about the billions of organisms but it's not just what lives there it's their relationship and so if you read anything like merlin sheldrake's book um an entangled world you you entangled life you can you begin to understand the complexities that we're closely related to the fungi in the soil that relationship that they have with plants they are we are only unearthing all of that excuse terrible puns that always come out with this subject but but this is this with with all these complexities people are now beginning to stand back explore it further and try and spend time with it but of course there's no silver bullet and it is very complicated and we do want to take control and we want to resolve things quickly but that as we've shown by going too quickly from second world war to where we are now with our soils sick and our and ourselves sick, and then obviously hugely importantly, the biodiversity crisis, we need to take control now. And, and sadly, we need to look at how we're farming. Thank you for, for offering so much information there, because it is a complex and very interconnected, all different um, themes that are running through it. But you offered a really clear sense that we don't always have to be able to see the damage and see that the land's turning to a desert right before our eyes to acknowledge that it can still be sick. It's happening in ways that we can't see because of all of those relationships and that microscopic life, etc. So it would just add to that, I think, to expand um, and, and offer additional context. This relationship of this healthy soil why is healthy soil important to our future? Well, aside from hopefully protecting it to be able to to farm and produce food that is, is what they're doing at the moment. There's a lot of research being done on the nutritional density of food. We hopefully one day will be able to fire a machine at a piece of food and it be able to read it. We have at the moment, BRICS testing, which looks at sugar testing. And then there's some other really wonderful things coming, particularly for America over here as well, where they're looking at all of that. But it's still being worked on to produce the right data and scientific exploration. But but we know when we eat something. So, for example, one of the people in the film, Adrienne, I work with her once a week as well on the farm when I can during the summer when she needs help because I it, it's in my deep passion. I'd rather be sitting down there than sitting at my desk. But um, when you taste her vegetables, which are grown without, and she will be organic, but she, at the moment it's agro agroecologically grown, planet friendly. And so she has huge diversity. And yes, she does go for some quite diverse crops. So sometimes it's just a slightly different pepper that you haven't had in a supermarket but the taste and the smell and everything is so you don't you don't even need to test it to know that it genuinely when you feel you feel happier it must be doing you you good and I would say absolutely the other thing is obviously the freshness because if it hasn't traveled so far 
but so that that is where we're we're looking at so the food so but the right to that at the moment is just sitting with those of us that can kind of afford like a middle class thing but really what we're trying to say in the film should be a right should be a right to grow and a right to food of this quality for everybody because this if we go into my holistic health passion if we're feeding ourselves we hopefully then don't have to rely on our nhs and health system which is creaking because we'd have a healthier community because what's happening at the moment we have dietary issues and that's maybe eating poor food but if we are not maximizing the nutritional density when it is grown in healthy soil we're not going to be having that wonderful those wonderful benefits to try and prevent some of the awful diseases and then beyond just the eating and the consumption um it, you, you want to have healthy soils um, that are also remaining in fields, remaining on gardens, remaining on the land, not running into our rivers. At the moment, they're running into our rivers, so we're now getting polluted water. Um, there are obviously chemicals within that, um, and we have a huge issue there because that's a, an cyclical um, issue. So when people say to me, I only really care about the sea, I say, well, that's great. They said, I can't relate to soil. I said, well, it's all one system. There is no separation here. We are talking about the same thing. Not seeing that in our on our journey, in our film, we've got to be really careful not to go down and rabbit holes, but we do have a wonderful piece which talks about helping prevent flooding and helping prevent chemicals going into the water with this regenerative and better agroecological farming. So does that answer it? Is there anything else I should be saying? Also, there is that deep innate connection when you are working with good, healthy soil, and they've now seen it and Tim Spector talks about it and there's the, the gut microbiome connection. But you when you're touching it and, it you know, there's a mind body connection and that is genuinely now proven to, to help people. So people with depression or struggling with life go outside, get that exposure. But it's not just being outside. Once you start connecting and growing, it just reduces. And we again, you see it in the film because one of our farmers does struggle with mental health issues. And she generally says it helps her. In fact, two of them actually have been on a bit of a journey. And when they're there and more connected with the soil, it helps them. Yeah, that's, that is, again, another absolutely incredible overview because it... It threads everything through in this very, very clear sense of we have to think holistically. And there's something about, and this sort of comes up a lot in, in, in the discussions that I have, the feeling of the complexity of these systems where we can't just look at one focused detail. We've got to see how it's all tied together. But then there's something that just brings a simplicity to all of that. And you, you touched on it there, that connection to the soil, that experience of you don't need to know what the nutrition is in that beautiful pepper. You eat it and the experience, it's just it's embedded within the, the food. It, there's something there that you can just feel the aliveness of the soil transferring to the food, transferring to the health of the people and then the health of the planet. And to me, that is... It is complex, but it's also beautifully simple. And the problem with it is you can't explain it to somebody. You want people to experience it. And I think this ties into my next question, which comes down to how do we motivate change? And the film, I think, describes itself along the lines of a story of British farmers standing up against the industrial food system. 
and and to my mind there's there's something about motivating those farmers on a very personal level because of their connection and their experience on their journey. Um, do you feel that it is the farmers that are being left to move things forward in in sort of a mass larger scale transition on the land? And have you got any sense of experience that 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 suggests that they're being supported in that and how can they receive support in that? Yeah, um, it's it's an amazing thing. And I don't know, I think you've been to Groundswell, but the event where regenerative farmers gather in Hertfordshire. Um, when I first started exploring this subject for the first film we did in Cambridgeshire, um, one of the local farmers here who would call himself um, a soil-friendly farmer, let's put it that way, he said, oh, you need to go to Groundswell. And when you go there, I mean, it's all in the name, <laughs> um, you get this sense of farmers, they, they, the cherries who started it did it because they needed to do it. They believed that they needed to bring farmers and others go to the event, but it's definitely started with farmers. And in fact, I found out it's unique to the world, that that event. <laughs> they don't have one in America. Um, so farmers in America and Australia and like, you know, Gay Brown on the sort of founding fathers, as we call it, this, of this movement, had definitely, definitely led on it and are definitely now leading on lobbying government. I mean, recently, Guy Singh Watson, who's the founder of Riverford, I mean, he's just stepped away from Riverford. I mean, he's still connected, but he's not running the business. But he... He's got to a stage in life where he's like, I have nothing to lose but to stick my neck out and fight for the system. And he's a perfect example of a farmer who is saying, governments, civil servants may understand because you have experts within the civil service, but the people we vote for in our supposed democracy half the time have no idea, have never been anywhere near it. And it's like saying the NHS is ill and our education. These things, they do have the experts behind the scene, but when the decisions are made, they're not made by a farmer or by a doctor. They're made by those people we supposedly vote for. And it's it's so wrong. So the farmers have said, you're going to take, the subsidies are changing, we've, you know, out of Brexit. You're promising us supposed subsidies to fill that, which are going to encourage us to be more environmentally friendly. And they've got various different names from SFI and, you know, it's the Elms and, you know, environmental damage. But it is still, there's still no clear guidance for them. So the farmers who have looked into their crystal ball or who have got the capacity to, because this is really complex and you can't point a finger at farmers and say, you're not doing it you know, you're a bad farmer. That isn't what we're saying in the film at all. What we're saying is those that are leading on it, whether you've got the groundswell farmers or is they've had the capacity, um, whether that could be financially they're secure enough to make that decision, whether they um, they had the headspace to explore a totally different way of farming, going away from chemical to biological, um, working with nature. Um, but they... But what's happening is they they to get everybody else to transition, they need support. So they need more people on the ground, agronomists. There are a handful of them who really do understand this, but they need more people. And the agronomists, again, 
they've only been trained at our agricultural colleges to do a certain thing. So they need to retrain. So to the farmers are leading on it. There are different people, whether it's the private sector who are putting money into this and there's new companies starting and carbon credits. And it's all really, really complex. But at the end of it, you have to look to the farmer to guide people because they are the ones who know the system, the land, etc. But it is very complex because each farm, each field, each year is different. And so you need to have a different voices, different different people from different bits of the country coming together and and coming together to lead on it. And that's what you do see at somewhere like Groundswell. And I it, it is amazing and they are doing it and they are leading on it. And the good, the, there are some amazing investment. There's one inv- investment company who actually are putting money into training, and there are a few examples, but one I'm thinking of, where they get, they're actually training farmers and they brought Gabe Brown over and they're doing, and they're seemingly, <laughs> they're seemingly doing some incredible things, one bit, and then they're sort of investing in another bit in where they, because they believe in regenerative farming, they believe in the soil, and they believe that the private sector should support the farmers. But of course, it can get messy and out of control. So, we, so that's why farmers need to be mindful. And yes, they do need to lead on it and they need to lead together on it so that they are stronger. But the government, who knows? And we're probably going to see a change and it's depressing. And I think there's no words to say at the moment, there's zero support. And we've just had another change of head of DEFRA, et cetera. So it's, yeah, right now, I think it's a huge unknown and really quite depressing. Um, but you know, the guys in Watson's lobbying, NFFN are constantly lobbying, and so let's let's hope it's it's an interesting time. Yes, definitely a very interesting time, and the the human side of it, the societal side of it, seems to be at least as complex as as the uh, the soil on so many levels. And there's something. Um, it's kind of like the scales just sort of keeping themselves balanced out. And on the one hand, there's so many things that are going against the transition. And on the other hand, there are so many wonderful people pushing it forward. And I think that that kind of idea of them coming together and supporting one another it is a very um, fruitful feeling that collaboration between like-minded people bringing different skills to the table, different experiences. So I think there's something very unique about the time that we're in and the need for people to come together. Um, Moving on to talk more specifically about the people in your film, because I find it very interesting that you follow the story of three farmers and then you've got an awful lot of outside expertise that you know it comes from all the way across the globe in in different um, viewpoints but these three farmers they're notably very young and particularly when we talk about farming it's it's very known that it's an industry of aging population and the challenge of trying to get new people into the industry because it's just not really that attractive um, for people to get into farming these days was the choice to go young, do you feel that that's a decision that you made or do you feel that that's a reflection of the, the driving force behind regeneration is that it's able to attract this younger um, audience and interest? Yeah, it, at the beginning we were just trying to decide how to um, navigate the subject. <laughs> it's really complex. Um, 
and we wanted to put people at the center of it and I think it was quite early on Colin and I were discussing it and the new ancient story kept coming up time and time again I think what we wanted we were worried and we did the first film so the average age in the first one they came to farmers we did have a mixture we had um a couple in their or three in their thirties and two, so we did have some a nice range age range. But what we soon realised is that everybody is on a journey with Regenerative Farm. Even someone like Wild Farms, where you've got Andy Cato, and people will say, "Oh, well, they've got the answers." If you talk to Andy, he would never say, "I've got the answer," because the same with the cherries. Everybody and Gabe Brown would tell you this. Everybody's exploring because every. David Deer, you know, the climate's changing and it's and it's complex and they're learning. Like, you know, as I said earlier, we don't still don't understand this complex thing, which is soil. So we decided as a way of doing it, if you put young people at the center of it, then you're gonna be showing that their their sort of ideas and exploration, and then you could take them to more senior farmers and get them to answer ask them and get some questions answered and sort of unravel about their hopes and their dreams and also I think you're absolutely right one of our biggest issues we have here is land access etc so one of the examples is that well two of them actually have got very benevolent incredible landlords who believe in regeneration not only of the soil but of their businesses and their communities which is a true sense of regeneration not just the practices and they invited them in. And that, for us, seemed like a really fascinating story to tell as well. So if you've got a lot of our land is owned by some huge landowners in this country, and within that, it would be lovely to see that more land is made available for a very keen up-and-coming new entrant crowd who are keen for, it may just be a few acres to grow veg, but there is, and I think maybe even more since COVID, where people became discouraged, have questioned their lives more. Do they actually want to be stuck in a city in an urban environment? Or would they like to have that sort of more of a subsistence style living on, on the land? So I think that's why that that was another really, that was a driver for us to have them. But also, they're, the three are wonderful storytellers, and it's really nice to have that younger entity and voice yeah and I think there's something there just in that relationship of a very large landowner offering some land to a very enthusiastic but otherwise landless um, individual there's there's something mm. there that could be replicated and it's it's certainly worth highlighting just for just for the sort of potential that that has because I imagine it can be done with a very minimal risk and start with a small area and, you know, add to. And I think any landowner that has the capacity to just hold space for that and just allow and, and let people learn, then they become part of the ever-expanding journey of learning, as you say, that, that even people that have been doing it for decades feel like they're still on, they're, they're still adapting and learning and taking it all in. So... Yeah, there, there's certainly something in that, that that this offers that I think industrial agriculture, you would struggle to go, oh, I'm just going to take on a couple of acres. 
Um, so, so there's the, the, yeah, there, there's so many layers to this, and I I enjoy that you've kind of focused on the story of these people because I haven't seen the film and I don't really um, know uh, any any more than what probably other interested viewers um, have seen the trailer, etc. But I I really get the sense that. The motivation for change, it has to come from people and it has to come from story. It's not going to come necessarily from logic and statistics and figures. It's going to come from that human connection um, to why do we do anything? And and there's, there's something that I think farming as an industry, it might sound very industrial, but regenerative farming, when you get into the stories of people it becomes a lifestyle there's something there um and i wondered if you had any thoughts on that if you feel that this whole idea of regeneration because it's difficult to put it into boxes there's so many terms we can call it but that there's something that connects it all that feels like it's 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 more of a passion more of a lifestyle than a industry um on so many levels um do you feel that coming through in the film? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> um, I think it's the other thing that struck us so much. So if you go back to David White and his worms and some of the other earlier farmers, like um, Martin Lines particularly, who heads up Nature Friendly Farming Network, when you see them, so I'm taking them because they are of the average age of a farmer in this country, and when they describe how they farmed earlier in their lives and let's call it conventional, whatever conventional means, but um, more relying on putting in inputs onto their land, you see that sense of reconnection with farming. And Martin, I went to his farm recently, it's near here in Cambridgeshire, and wow, I mean, the man is a force, toward force. Um, I don't know if he actually ever sleeps. <laughs> it was so wonderful. I hadn't been there. I went in the summer, so I hadn't been for about um, two and a half years. But it was, uh, he was showing me new fields that he had created some more meadows. They were in the rotation. He had made you know he was doing studies on it and the organic matter was coming up and some more life in the soil uh woodlands were buzzing uh the birds he's potty for birds and he had sort of you know the the, the flower but the, there were the meadows and then there were flower strips so he is doing this incredible thing where he's done all this research so he's got you know big Cambridgeshire field and not just having the margins down the side he's going in the middle as well because then you've got um positive as they call them beneficiaries which is a rather clunky word for a beautiful little insect like a ladybird <laughs> that can help go into the fields and consume the aphids and do the jobs as without him having to use insecticides so um but he's definitely been even though he works so hard and he's down in government lobbying, et cetera, he's definitely been regenerated. You can kind of feel it in himself. And he had to go on a massive journey with his dad to sort of allow, well, he wanted to do this way of farming earlier on. So when you see that, and the same with David White, when you see him smell his soil, touch his soil, 
talk about the cover crops, look at the wild diversity he's got on his farm. And he does all these really beautiful posts on Twitter and stuff. You get that innate sense of regeneration. With our younger farmers in the film, um, one of them has gone back to the family farm. So she is seeing her father regenerate himself. And it is very beautiful. And she makes very, very poignant comments about that. And they are in Lincolnshire. And as you, Helen, know, it's, you know, again, like us, it's flat. It's quite harsh on the eye at times. There aren't enough hedgerows at times and all of those things that we used to have those patchworks. And but yet Andrew is on this journey and Anna's gone back to the farm and the two of them are she's. They're working together now and it's very beautiful. But you can again see the way he's he's quite a quiet man, quite circumspect about it. But you can clearly see it's helped him um reconnect with farming and re fall in love with it. I mean he's I don't think he'd ever not farm, but I feel you feel very quietly that that and but also more importantly that Anna is enjoying being back on the farm with him and she wouldn't have done it if he hadn't done what he's doing. So and then you hear other farmers say like I was there was a really amazing man up in Scotland we sadly didn't get to go. It's too I really don't love to go. It's miles away. He lives on one of the outer aisles and I'm gonna get it wrong if I say if I say it. But anyway, he um I spoke to him and he had fallen out of love farming in I think it was Leicestershire and he went back he in his retirement he start he did the holistic management course, the Alan Savory one, and then came out basically saying this is what I want to do. And when he talked to me, I was like, oh my Lord. And like his regeneration of himself at the age of 72 he'd gone back into farming I was like this is insane you know it's amazing um and so all of those examples are really beautiful and I and I yeah so that for me I I love that you're making it such a clear demonstration a clear feeling that there's something about bringing life back to the land that brings life back to people and to community and, and hope and very uplifting. And I, I don't think that we should knock that. It's a very powerful thing. I notice also through the stories that you represent, they're very diverse in the type of farm that they have. And I'm assuming that that was deliberate in, in what you're representing. But does it teach you anything about um, what regenerative farming looks like or what it doesn't look like and what it can encompass. Yeah, um, we did it very deliberately because we have, obviously we're a small island, but we have lots of different farming um, communities and different temp, um, climatic influences. So on the West, it's wetter and you get more of the grazing and the livestock farming. We used to, everything used to be mixed farming, but let's very roughly more livestock on the west on the east as i've said before we're much more arable and vegetables but obviously there's a bit of both in in everything um so we wanted to go into different areas we did try and find a farmer in wales and a farmer in scotland and maybe even northern ireland but we had to go with the farmers in the end that said they were keen to go with us but we did definitely want three different systems so the the hardest one and i haven't mentioned him yet but at the moment, environmentally, we're being presented that we should eat less meat or go completely plant-based. 
and plant trees. Um, we have animals in the film and Ben is a livestock farmer. He has always been a livestock farmer. His dad has farmed cows in Cornwall. His family have been cattle farmers for years. And he is now farming differently from his dad and previous generations. And he's been given a, well, not given, he rents a piece of land from a, a landowners who are looking for someone like him and his partner, Claudia, to come and farm the land in the way that they wanted it farmed, which is to regenerate the soil, the land and, and the community around it. So Ben is on that personal journey, but also what we try and explore with that to oversimplify it is that these ruminants can play a very very key role on the land to regenerate the soil and also the biodiversity in his woodlands etc yes there are lots of voices out there that see this as um an, a, a bad use of land and the wisp not getting enough protein and out, out of it at the moment you have intensively farmed animals and cows, particularly in the winter, are always inside. His are outside, mob grazing. They're moved around frequently. They're fed off the hay from his land, etc. So people may see, well, you know, he needs a bit more land farm. There's less livestock. We're going to have less food being produced. But it's all a journey. And we are just trying to to show that what is being explored and it may be part of a more complex system we may have different forms of protein coming into it but we just want to show the place of the cow within the regenerative system he is just cows he has got a few pigs now as well so that was a sort of livestock conversation that is a livestock conversation also when you go to lincolnshire because anna and andrew essentially arable farmers they did have veg for a bit but the arable farmers um at the moment and they brought in sheep to help with the regeneration so they're like their fertilizers they they call them the golden hooves they're helping turn up the land they're bringing in and they are moving them around whether they're grazing on a cover crop which is a crop to put, put in to you know protect the soil and also fix nitrogen etc in between um uh you know your, your cycle of or part of your routine rotation of all the Arab arable crops they have and so those sheep are coming in so you've got them and then we've got adrienne nearer us in cambridgeshire now she is on a large arable regenerative believe we want to put it regenerative farm and they're on he's it's almost peri-urban because cambridge is really really close by so again you kind of got that angle she's exploring different routes to market um but it, she is small scale veg. And again, people might criticize us for, for that, but we shouldn't exclude that because a lot of people are now like Sustain, who are an amazing com, um, organization who've been lobbying this for years, sees the place. And there's lots of studies showing that these smaller, if we had more of these smaller growers, Glowing closer to populations and producing veg that isn't travel very far and is fresher and babe and having other people working on the land. Hopefully, not few people feeling we're going backwards, but actually providing people with this wonderful food, but with control of it and not completely annihilating the land as it's being grown. So, looking at that, that's that's what we've done. And then they go and meet mentors who are more senior in it and they are doing similar things to them on their land so that they can compare, ask questions and sort of think about the future of, 
and, and their position in farming. So, yeah, it's just giving everyone that. So that also there is the soils are obviously described as well, the different soils with different challenges, the different ways they're trying to boost and um, enrich their soils. So, Fantastic. It sounds um, that that diversity on each individual site is also being looked at at that larger scale. And I, I would... I, I kind of feel like if anyone wants to critique the, the, the sort of choice of going for a small vegetable, um, pre, you know, peri-urban um, site, well, I think that you've you've highlighted it's actually a wonderful solution um, for the way that we can connect with these very complex problems in our food system that, that you know, so I, I absolutely respect and appreciate the uh, inclusion of, of such a range of um, different solutions the more solutions we have, the more diversity there, the more opportunity there is for people to connect in and find that actually I quite fancy being involved in that myself or um, such. So I think it's fantastic. What you're doing sounds like a wonderful story, a wonderful overview of, of so many important topics. We've touched on the, the soil and the health um, of people and how that's connected in in the food and we've touched on a bit of politics I wonder if there's any more sort of larger issues or sort of interconnected issues that the film goes into that you might like to mention yeah um <laughs> it's been um a scarily uh complex subject um which is probably why it's um there aren't a lot of these films out there um there are there are a myriad of films where you look at um you know whether it's a film to do with food and obesity etc but every time we dug into the subject there was another layer of it and so we do have henry jimbleby as let's call him he's you know he was a creator of the na latest national food strategy which the government mostly ignored uh which is hard i i find this a really hard pill to swallow because millions would have been spent on that three-year study of our money, our taxpayers' money, and we, that they haven't, yeah, they've ignored it. So, um, I mean, some of it has been taken on board. But Henry, because of that, has stepped away from being a government advisor. He's written his book, and he's in our film, and it's amazing. And he highlights those big issues, um, but also says... And he at the centre for what he is really our health issues. And so I have alluded to those already, but we do look into that. But we've got to so what we ended up doing with the film is there are subjects presented throughout. And what we invite people to do is what we call dig deep. And now on our website, we are developing at the moment, it's still quite basic, but it's part of our, what we're calling our impact campaign. Um, and we're still fundraising. If people want to be um, involved in this, to develop this further, that we've got these topics. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. We have worked with, we're well, now 12 NGOs, but the partners who basically helped us with research guidance and fact finding, et cetera. And they, a lot of them, so if it's Soil Association or Sustain or NFFN, they all have amazing campaigns they've developed. And, Literally the other day we spoke to guys and Watson back to that one and his campaign has really gained traction and has actually got to its hundred thousand, but they're now pushing even more. So we're trying to identify the ones we think are gaining the most traction 
and would have the most influence on the system change that we would like to see. And so if you go into that, having watched the film, you can then go, oh, I'd like to dig into these subjects a bit further, whether it's soil, climate, farming, food. And so on there, you can then go, I'm a farmer. I'd like to know, well, what do I do next? Oh, I could become a member of a Nature Family Farming Worker. Oh, I'd quite like to do what Ben's doing with the cows, but I have nowhere, I don't know where to start. So pasture-fed, like, um, pasture for life sorry uh, are brilliant and they're doing all these courses and there are online resources and all of that so we just we're kind of signposting and we we have collaborated because again a lot of the organizations are doing this but we really believe um there's so many of them doing amazing things so we're trying to signpost people to those but yeah so i think you know there's obviously the complexities of soil there's the complexities of our health connection um and there's complexities of the policy and government um and then there's the complexity of how we get farmers to transition and and one of the biggest things for me is to get this film seen and and discussed outside of our echo chamber and so i'm desperate for this film what we are doing with it is doing screenings and then eventizing it so you see see the film and then there's a panel session and then after there's maybe some celebratory food that's created from food that's sourced locally, hopefully regeneratively, if anyone, I mean, that's hard. I know there's no labels, but agroecologically, um, planet friendly, whatever you want to call it, locally well-produced food and have those discussions around it. It will eventually go online, but immediately we want it to be a film that generates discussion. And um, so We've had so many offers to show it, and some of them we as filmmakers will be there to discuss and present um, it. And some of our farmers who've been in the film will also be there. But otherwise, we're asking organisations to, um, for example, the Sustain has sustainable food places, and they're an amazing, I think they've got 92 places now. And some of those groups have already said they want to share the film and they will generate an event around it and they will probably invite people in their local area who in the who either growers, we want farmers really to always be. The other thing that happens is, and we do bring this up, is um, food discussions often happen without farmers in a room. So if anyone shows a film, please have at least one farmer or grower on that panel. So that is one of our biggest asks is to reconnect back to the people who are um, multifaceted, unbelievable people that work on our land to produce food for us every day. We'd love farmers to take it seriously enough. It's not techie-techie for farmers, but we'd love farmers to take it seriously enough that they want to show it with other farmers who, who might be considering or might not or want want to sort of invite them into this arena. Um, then on top of that, anyone that's interested in food and farming um, and it could also be shown in institutional. We we're going to take it hopefully into academic scenarios from agricultural colleges to universities to schools eventually. But um, and then the other big ask we've had is from corporates. So any corporates out there who want to show the film and generate an event, we really want to talk to people about that. But yeah, so that's we yeah that that that's the essence of it. <laughs> 
It's fantastic. I really very much applaud the way that you've thought this through and you are reaching out and connecting and collaborating with all of these different efforts because there's something um, in what you're creating. You're not just thinking of it as an on-screen piece, but actually as a tool that assists people in not just understanding, but maybe taking a role, maybe learning um, something new for themselves and it can be the start of their journey and then you're assisting them in, in many different ways. So that sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, I think uh, congratulations are in order that you've kind of reached this phase that you are at this cusp of ready to, to start showings and it's very exciting. Um, so I have one last question and it may be the most complex one yet, but <laughs> in terms of how you feel about the future of soil, do you feel like if you went back to the start of this journey to now, do you feel more concerned or less concerned about our soils? Um, <laughs> I, I was listening to Caroline Lucas the other day talking about... Um, if you're an optimist, you sometimes actually don't look into the problems and don't actually call for change because you see everything is all quite rosy. Uh, and I would say genuine, I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist and I do believe in hope, which is the key to change. So I feel this hope, but I am alarmed at the lack of urgency and speed of change. And um yeah i think it's quite emotional um if i look into the people that control our country world i think it's pretty terrifying really and so i hope that with the rising of these wonderful people that we have seen and filmed with and met and i meet more and more of them and i think there are i genuinely think within any world most people are good and we want change and we need to see the future. So I'm hoping that people get on the bandwagon more and more and will um, reach out. But it, it is right now um, not happening fast enough. <laughs> yeah, well said. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to, to have this opportunity to talk with you. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, thanks for your time. We really, really appreciate it. And thanks for your support. And thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Carbon. You can find further details about six inches of soil, how to keep up to date with them and everything that Claire has discussed here through the link in the description. New episodes of this podcast are added every other Tuesday with extra video content added in between. See the description for more information about this season of We Are Carbon and the additional ways that you can become involved. And let's keep figuring this all out together.